you're generally not doing a, a fast security response because you want to be. You're doing a security response because something's on fire. There is a quote that many people and companies use to describe attack surface management is you can't protect what you can't see. That's the problem with domain names. Like once you own them, you can never not own them because there's always some login somewhere tied to that domain name. All of our coworkers had looked at the page, reloaded a few times, went back, and the price ended up going up to about $150,000 before you even supposed oh. to be there. Who says tech can't be human? What's going on, Hacker Valley fam? Welcome back to the show. My guest this episode is a cybersecurity legend. Maybe you've heard of something called Metasploit, Rapid7, or Run Zero. My guest this episode is HD Moore, the creator of Metasploit, and also the co-founder and CEO of Run Zero. HD has been on the podcast before and is Hacker Valley family, but most importantly, HD, welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Ron. Glad to be back. Glad to have you back. And I want to start off with a little bit of a reflection. Many people who got in the game when I did know the name HD Moore because of Metasploit, Rapid7, or really anything that goes uh, that's related to offensive security. This is from 2003 to maybe 2017 or 18, somewhere around that time. But, you know, looking at 2019, HD is building something new and it's uh, potentially filling all of those security holes that a tool like Metasploit took advantage of. What was the turning point for you that made you want to step into building something like Run Zero versus the offensive side of the house? Yeah, sure thing. Um, one of the things I really loved and kind of why I got into security was the idea of kind of exploring the unknown, of going into either, you know, pick a random phone number and dial it and see where you end up, uh, scan a random IP address, see what comes back, right? Um, and that kind of discovery aspect has been driving a lot of the work I've been doing over the years. Um, with Metasploit, we did a lot of focus on exploitation, on encoders and shellcode, but we also did a lot of work on internet-wide scanning projects and um, large-scale research and you know data mining of Windows DLLs and things like that. And I love all those parts of it. Um, some of my favorite parts of the Metasploit framework are the auxiliary scanner modules that do active enumeration, everything from like you know VxWorks to bug service detection to um, identifying like secondary IP addresses through NetBio scanning. And it's that whole, um, I love the aspect of being able to like leak little tiny bits of information about something and be able to use that to basically build up a bigger map of it. Um, so over the years, I've been doing consulting work and then product work, consulting work, product work, kind of back and forth. Uh, spent a lot of time um, after leaving Rap7, getting back into the pen test space, going and doing audits for, you know, merchant banks, you name it, manufacturing, all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you're a large company and you could afford to hire some of the best security engineers in the world to do your assessment, um, you probably have a good handle on most of the stuff you know about. Uh, if there's a, if you can afford to fire, you know, boutique pen testing firms, or even just get a regular security audit by an external party, um, you probably care enough that you're already doing a good job about the things that are in your control. What we found is that going into these assessments, especially with organizations that did quarterly audits, um, they got harder every single time. Whatever we got in last time is not going to be the next time. Um, and we have to keep looking further and further and further out. And that led to a lot of research around, um, you know, external attack service stuff, which I, uh, you know very well, uh, yep. and finding all the kind of nicks and crannies and, you know, leftover DSL modems hanging in the closet that are backdoors to the network, um, things like that. 
But it also found that a lot of organizations just didn't know it was on their internal network either. They, they didn't realize that the building access control network was actually bridged to their corporate LAN, or there was multiple agency or multiple companies all sharing the same um, you know, physical segment, even though they've got different IP addresses running on top of it, things like that. So um, what I kind of discovered during that period was that the best way to compromise a you know, quote unquote secure organization was to go find the things they didn't know about. And as a result, the best thing we could do for those firms is to help them find that stuff, whether it's on their network, in the cloud or elsewhere. Love that. Powerful. Fixing, you know, the the root cause, it sounds like you're kind of getting closer to that. Would you say that's right? Yeah, I mean, nobody wants to do a bad job of security. So if it's on your <laughs> radar, if you know about it, at least you can mitigate it. At least you can track it. But if you don't know about it at all, good luck. Yeah. I love speaking to founders because I get to hear some of the stories about being scrappy and also pivoting in some ways. When you look back when you first started the company, uh, did you know where it was going or did it evolve into what's known as Run Zero now? <laughs> Early on, it was, it was basically like, you know, hey, there's all these IT discovery tools out there and they're not very good. What if you built a much better one that was kind of powered by, you know, a trench coat full of hackers, like effectively taking <laughs> like a million different pen test techniques and using that to build the best IT inventory tool you could. And we thought it was amazing. We brought it to market. We got a lot of uh, folks trying it out. Um, but end of the day, the folks who actually were willing to pay for it were security operations, not IT, not networking. And so over the years, we've been selling mostly to security operations teams, and they've been helping us drive kind of the feature expansions, uh, you know, reporting, all that fun stuff. Um, and we still have customers in IT and the networking spaces, and they use us for kind of CMDB purposes or for at least feeding data into a CMDB or doing diagnostics. But are, you know, uh, the customers that we're working with kind of side by side every day to help mitigate security risk, those are security operations. I want to talk about the name for a second. When I first learned about your new project, it was known as something else. I'll let you say it if you want to mention it. Uh, but okay. now it's Run Zero. So talk about the evolution, but also what's behind the name. Well, naming is hard, right? Um, it's one of the hardest things you can do is name something. And if you name it wrong, it kind of sticks with you forever, right? Yeah. So um, early on, I think the company's called like Critical Research Corporation. And then we eventually called it like Rumble Inc. And we had the U.S. trademarks for it. We had... Uh, the U.S., you know, Delaware, Texas registrations. Um, and But there was also another company in Canada that was Rumble.com. We're like, well, it's a .com. You know, it's not going to be confusing. They do something very different from us. Not a big deal at all. Didn't worry about it. And, you know, we were doing like we're signing off like trademark waivers for like Rumble Boxy in New York. Say, yeah, you can use the name. It's not a conflict. No big deal. Yeah. And we didn't really concern ourselves with it too much. Um, and then we realized that the Rumble.com organization um, was becoming much more visible. They were actually reincorporating in the United States. They got reverse acquired uh, through a SPAC and they listed on the stock market. And it's like, well, there's nothing we can do as a company that's going to be able to outmarket somebody who has literally our name as a stock ticker. So yeah. um, that was a great reason to pick another name. And it's also a good time as a business to kind of refocus on what we do. And early on, Rumble is kind of like Rumble is in the you know UK variant of uh, you know understanding something or finding something out or kind of like busting somebody. Um, mm. And you know we did a good job of that initial discovery piece, but we also realized that what we're really trying to do is help customers remove you know all the unknowns in the networks, so effectively zero unknowns, and that's kind of where the basis of Run Zero came from. However, finding a domain name is like that could be a three month talk all by itself. Um, the co-founder Chris Kirsch wrote a blog post about just how difficult it is to secure a domain name or pick another name for a company these days. <laughs> it's effectively um, you can't just like go search for stuff and go grab one because the second you land on those um, uh, you know DNS holding pages for a domain, if you revisit that page a few times over a couple of weeks, the price will just keep going up. So there was mm. actually a name that we looked at that looked pretty solid. We realized like, hey, it's like fifty bucks, whatever. We'll just grab it real quick. 
But by then, all of our coworkers had looked at the page, reloaded a few times, went back, and the price ended up going up to about $150,000 before we even spoke oh. to be there. And we're like, I guess we're not picking that name. And then we went through a bunch <laughs> of negotiation with a couple other firms. There's one company that was absolutely amazing. They're super helpful. We worked them all the way through. They had acquired a company five years ago, then acquired another one and another one and so on. So they weren't really using the domain name anymore. And they're happy selling it to us. We got all the way to the end of the deal. And then finally, the cybersecurity team there said, you know what? We have no idea what's still tied to this domain. We can't sell it. Like, that's the problem with domain names. Like, once you own them, you can never not own them because there's always some login somewhere tied to that domain name, right? There's all some TLS <laughs> service you forgot about. So, I mean, we're like, hey, we're happy to, like, help you with your security while we figure out the migration. But, like, no, we can't sign off on the risk. So, that took us to the next step. So, like, we talk about an external attack service mapping where you have to go, like, boil the ocean trying to find everything that a company has exposed. We right. had to take that approach for finding your name. We literally had to take, like, this, um, the, the domain dumps of all the registered domains in the world bring them all locally on disk, build a bunch of mapping tables out of it, and just brute force the gaps between available name registrations with patterns and words that we thought were appropriate. And then just went through probably five or 600 of them to find out which ones can we actually get the trademark that are not a conflict, that don't, aren't a dirty word in some language that isn't spoken, um, you know, most in the US, things like that. So it took us a long time to finally land on one and run zero, <laughs> finally it was it. So I wouldn't say it's the most exciting name in the world for me, but at the same time, it's the one we got and the one we could buy <laughs> that you actually get. So, and it's growing on us, right? I think over time, it's actually kind of fun. And we have lots of different um, spiffs we're doing off it so far, like zero unknowns and uh, we've got some mascot work internally, things like that. So, Okay, nice. Was there any reason why you chose this order, like run zero versus zero run? I think a lot of it is um, you want to be, uh, at least for us, we want to be clear that like what we're doing is active. We're actively mm. helping you do something. Um, we're not trying to say no attacks, no hacks. No, we're saying we're going to help you get ahead and get to zero unknowns. And so for us, having the verb part of run be the first word went a long way there. When you you know look back at the name being Rumble and now being run zero and kind of like growing up over time uh, for the company, what was the turning point at which you felt like this has got some legs, this is going to make it? It's been a, a kind of a strange journey for us. Um, we had a six-month beta in 2019. Uh, we converted to, um, I want to say, uh, it was quite a few customers, like 30 or 40 customers in the first month. So mm. it's great to immediately have paying customers um, right after the beta ended. And then we managed to land some fairly large logos in the first year of the business. Um, but we weren't like, in some of them, we we're just doing a small portion of the environment. Other ones were global, but most of our data is being fed to another tool or product. And so we had this kind of like limited land operation where we're being used by a lot of great companies, but they're really using us as a data generator um, or as a plugin for something else. Um, as, as we started kind of working through that, especially for the smaller companies that don't necessarily have like a service now or a huge CNDB, like they really want us to do more of that. So we've been building out more stuff like, okay, we'll do API connections. We'll do active scanning with, with you know, unauthenticated. We'll also do passive capture. We'll also do... Um, all the API connections you can think of on-prem LDAP, uh, Azure, Azure AD directory services. Um, so it's more about like, you know, if you start off looking at the world as like, I want to be able to gather data and tell you the most I can about your environment. It doesn't matter what, where that data comes from. As long as it's good data, you can you can take it from pretty much anywhere and do good things with it. So the more data you get, the better. But um, being able to directly gather that data from the network side goes a long way there to help filling in those gaps. Yeah, that's the power of attack service management. And I saw that one of the, at least one of the categories that Run Zero fits into is Chasm. And what I love about both of those, attack service management as a whole, and especially Chasm, is all about putting those pieces together, using integrations, having multiple data sources. 
There is a quote that many people and companies use uh, to describe attack surface management is you can't protect what you can't see. As straightforward as that is, I think some organizations still drag their feet on protecting their attack surface, shrinking it and making sure that they don't have those exposures, vulnerabilities and risks. I would imagine it's the same for you with your company. The messaging is a challenge, especially back in 2019 when you got started. And there's even more challenges than just messaging. What was the biggest challenge to gain that initial traction for you? So early on, it was like network discovery. And then we had to convince our customers like, no, no, we actually do all this other stuff. Like we're not just a, a network flow data generator for your SIM, right? We're also giving you these great analytics tools, this great reporting, uh, these basically hunt maps of your entire internal environment to find out where the dark spots are and be able to basically close the gaps in your visibility. And as we've been going further down that path, we've been helping a ton with uh, security response. And that's really kind of where we see the biggest driver right now is that folks are using us to, um, when a new vulnerability comes out and it applies to a particular type of technology, whether that's, you know, move it, WSFTP, solar winds, you name it. Um, there's no vulnerability check for it yet because uh, it came out that second, right? If five minutes, you know, you heard that um, there's a O-Day in Cisco and let's say the iOS XE operating system and HP web interface that is allowing a threat actor to, you know, create admin users across the world. Like you got to do something about that now. Like there's, Cisco doesn't have a patch for it. No Vuln scanner has any coverage for it yet. So your question is going to be, where do I have these devices? Are they externally exposed? And how do I find them this second before they get backdoored and an implant is installed? So that's kind of the question and the thing we try to solve is once you have all the data about where every device is, what OS they're running, what services are open, you can create queries after the fact, kind of like, you know, Google the work or Shodan style. So they mm -hmm. go really deep into the environment. So even if Run Zero doesn't have a fingerprint for what a thing is, like a Cisco IOS XE HTTP server, we can build one in about five seconds and say, let's look for an HTTP body with these strings in it. Let's go find a fake icon hash, looks like this. Let's do these other kind of qualifiers in the query and immediately go basically sift all those out of the environment. And you can get ahead of it before you have to worry about the ransomware or, you know, the implants or the next stage of it. So we've just seen the, um, the cycles between vulnerability um, visibility and exploitation just getting shorter and shorter and shorter. When you look at, you know, all the possibilities and it sounds like, you know, run zero does a lot on the management and exposure management side. What was the one thing that really propelled the company to go forward? What is the one thing that, you know, people and companies really rave about when it comes to uh, run zero? Uh, in general, it's speed. It's both speed of being able to get data quickly. Like if you're, um, you know, you're generally not doing a, a fast security response because you want to be. You're doing a security response because something's on fire, because you're looking for a particular threat, a particular exposure. Like there's usually a pretty good reason why, you know, why you're employed as a security engineer to start with, but also um, why you're currently have this project or problem that you're trying to solve. So the quicker we can give people the data they need to answer that problem, the better. And our approach has always been like free trials, um, sign up with a Gmail, use a throwaway, we don't care. Mm -hmm. get access to the product like we want you to see exactly what the product does as fast as you possibly can without talking to sales like we want there to be zero friction so that you can make a good technical decision about whether we're a right fit without having to go through all that stuff and we also have a free tier right so we've got like thirty thousand free users um that are just using our product on their home networks and you know small businesses and that's great like we love to support that so from that perspective like the quicker we can give you data about something the quicker you can make a decision about it um if we're not the right fit that's easy you can make the call pretty quick but in a lot of cases, um, it's the speed that, that goes a long way, both the speed of getting up and running, but also the speed of being able to respond to a brand new exposure, whether it's like, you know, Windows Exchange proxy logon or something newer like this, the move it vulnerability. I'm glad you mentioned the community edition because I was going to bring that up next. I was really excited to see that I actually signed up. 
And I thought to myself, you know, one indicator that you can tell that a company or a startup is doing well and heading in the right direction is having investment because we need money to make the make the products, but also customers. And I saw that, you know, you guys have been doing great with investment. You had an A round back in 2022, and you also have some big, big names on your website. But you have the community edition, so a company that's small like Hacker Valley Media could benefit from attack service management, exposure management, or whatever category that you know Gartner creates next that you fit into. Uh, what has been the experience that you've had supporting enterprise and small to medium-sized businesses? It's been fun. There's actually not that big of a gap between the two as you would think. Um, hmm. What we found out really early on is that um, you know if you're excited about the free version of the product and you're playing around with it in your home lab and your home lab has, let's say, more than 50 IPs in it, like you probably have a job where you have a good amount of influence about the security yep. or at least the IT of the organization. So the folks who are your you know super hardcore home lab folks or uh, do a lot of like fun you know test labs, vulnerability labs, like they tend to also have influence where they work. And if we can prove that hey we've got a great solution and we do good fingerprinting and you can find all your stuff at home, like maybe give us a chance at your job too. And we've actually seen um, enterprise deals walk in the door, no questions asked. Here's a PO we'd like to buy. We say, would you like a trial? Like, no, no, we've already, all our team's already done another home network. They poked around already. We're good. So and sometimes, um, on some, one hand, it's a little bit tough to get a, an idea for how far along a, a customer may be with understanding the product. On the other hand, that's amazing. Like, if you get to the point that your product has already been, you already have the technical win before you even have the first real sales conversation, that's great. That's where we want to be. Plus, you know, we want to help out folks, right? As, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Wendy Nather says, the security poverty line, like, if you can't afford security tools, you're going to have a bad time. And anything we can do to help folks close the gap and, Get a, get a hold of it, um, the better there. One quote that everyone knows is you can take the player out the game, but you cannot take the game out the player. I <laughs> would bet that with all the work that you've done in this space, it's giving you a new perspective on offensive security. Maybe even led your team to finding vulnerabilities, I would imagine. Uh, what are some of the similarities that you found uh, with Run Zero to your past life as an offensive security uh, professional? And a lot of the work we do, it's not that different. Like if you're a pen tester, you start off saying, what's out there? What's what's exposed? What's the, you know, what's your attack surface? What's on the internet? What's not? You look at like, okay, what services are on those? Um, what type of devices are they? Are they end of life? Um, is there any exposed software? Are there any weak credentials? Are there weak admin portals? You're kind of doing the same perspective um, just from the software side. The thing we really focus on with Run Zero is we're not doing full-on phone scanning. We're not going to, you know, throw a million web requests every um, web service on your network. We're going to do very light fingerprinting to figure out what things are and hopefully infer the rest of it very well. So the idea is like the faster we can do that, the less impactful the discovery process is for everybody, um, the more frequently you can do it and the more networks you can do it on. So we mm -hmm. really focus on like, how do you do discovery of like OT environments? Well, we say scan them. Like, and everyone's like, what? You can't scan OT. And like, trust me, you actually can scan OT <laughs> as long as you're not treating it like a volume scan, you're treating it like, um, you know, a very light fingerprinting exercise. It's easy. Since then, I think in the last year or so, uh, three of the large OT vendors have all decided to start doing scanning, but they don't call it scanning. They call it safe queries. So it's just a euphemism for scanning when it comes down to it, <laughs> if you scan right in the first place. Yeah. But it gives you an idea of kind of how that world's working. So uh, with Run Zero, we spend a lot of time trying to come up with ways to get as much information out as we can out of a really small piece of data. Mm. We fingerprint, you know, we can pull out the MAC address, the V6 IPs, the host names, the model numbers, the color of your laptop, everything in between just from Ooh. like a single MDNS packet half the time. Yeah. Uh, similar with things like NetBIOS with UPnP, 
um, these kind of like background network services, we can tell you a lot about how not just that device is configured, but who its neighbors are, who it's talking to, who it knows about, right? Um, MDNS also ends up telling you about uh, observed neighbors in its cache as part of the announcements. You can say, has this device seen this other device? Therefore, I know what the segmentation looks like. We look at the entire network and we try to actually pull out those correlations and the relationships between those devices and then be able to use that to give you more uh, context about whether you should care about that device or not or that exposure or not. Yeah, there's there's a lot that you could do with little. I used to be deep down the MDNS uh, route as well, especially when it comes to IPv6. A lot of times if you go to an airport, you know, you connect to the, wi the public Wi-Fi, they might have IPv6 enabled and your computer is literally blasting out information about your laptop and Spotify with using MDNS and many other applications as well. So that is definitely uh, something that I've seen a lot. I did want to spend a second speaking to you about your future. I'm really confident that Run Zero is going to do great. I love the ASM space, Chasm, CTEM, whatever terminology that you want to throw at it. I think reducing those vulnerabilities for an organization is really what's going to push everything forward and keep us more secure. Looking at the next 10 years in the future, when Run Zero goes IPO, or gets bought for 1.3 billion, or just grows in the way that you hope it will in general, what impact and legacy do you hope that your company leaves in the industry? That's a good question. Um, you know, with Metasploit, it was easy. It was like, here's open source. We're creating kind of this visible archive of all of security research over 15 years, 20 years, right? Yep. That was really nice to do. It's harder as a commercial company without a huge open source core. Um, we are looking at like, you know, the big one for us is like, we think scanning should be a thing you should do. We think active scans are actually a really great way to get data if you do it right. And they're not scary and they're not bad and they don't crash your OT stuff as long as you don't, you know, as long as you do them appropriately. So that's, I think, something we've already been helpful at kind of changing perceptions of the industry. What I guess what I'd like to see is that I want folks to know what they don't know. I want folks to be able to quickly understand where the gaps are in their visibility. And it's always really hard to do that because no, there's very few tools that can tell you what it doesn't know about. No tool wants to say, eh, there's some blurry stuff over there. Go figure it out. They all want to say, here's exactly what you have in your, your fancy dashboards. Like, great, but where's the rest of it? Like, it's... But there's one takeaway, I think, for Run Zero. It's that I think folks really need to understand the parts of the environment that they're not aware of and keep track of those gaps. It's not just a one-time exercise. You're constantly adding more stuff. But what I like to at least convince people to do is think about their networks and their environments a little bit differently and look for that kind of you know blurry spot on the map and help keep an eye on that and make sure they understand what those holes look like. Love that. There's a lot of people that listen to the podcast who have a similar uh, beginning as you, where they are more into bug bounty or the offensive side of the house and are interested in being a defender. You know, what, for those people that are looking to switch from red to blue, what would be your one piece of advice to them? Folks who are, have a lot of experience in defensive security have going for them is they realize that hey, how asymmetric it is. Like if you're an attacker, you only need one or two good bugs to do anything you want to do. And that's it. And so taking that mindset into the defense space, so you're not, you know, if you're joining a vulnerability management team as a previously pen tester and they're trying to figure out where do they prioritize the, you know, small number of IT hours that can point to remediation or to network re-architecture segmentation, knowing kind of where those weak spots are and like kind of the judo you have to do as an offensive pen tester is really helpful for the defenders to know how to allocate resources because they could spend all their time trying to get their total vulnerability count down when in reality, they should just be getting rid of this file transfer product sitting on the DMZ, right? It's yeah. just kind of, it's that perspective I think goes a long way. It's just knowing knowing where you get the most lift for your security puck is something that offensive folks can definitely help with. 
sound advice hd thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy day to jump on the mics and hang out with us uh for anyone that wants to stay up to date with hd maybe learn about his company run zero be sure to check out the description or show notes wherever you're listening or watching and with that we will see everyone next time